Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. This week we are on episode three of season three and I thought today I am going to take you back to an amazing scenic natural haven that I visited a couple of times um, situated in northern Europe and it is known for its fjords and its dramatic scenery, ski slopes and nature in general and how wild it is and it is part of Scandinavia, Um, it is Norway and Norway was one of my, oh it's just one of my favourite cold places I've been to as well as Iceland, Um, Iceland is super dramatic as well and if you missed the Iceland episode, go and listen to it. Um, but Norway would definitely be up there as well. Amazing, amazing place. So I visited um, a couple of years ago um, and I visited um, an area of where there's a fjord. Um, and that was kind of like west of Oslo. So I had to go all the way out west to visit this sun. It's called... I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Sonja's Fjord. And it is the largest and deepest fjord in Norway. It comes in from the ocean. It's um, it's unbelievably beautiful, um, like showstopper. And then I also visited Norway again back um, last year, actually, 2020, where I went up to Lillehammer and I was skiing. And that was also just dramatically beautiful. I also want to talk through the pollinator plan which came out this week so there's loads of news on there about different things about pollinators and of course nature and well-being in general. Um, So yeah so just to begin um, to say thank you of course every week to the patrons who support the podcast and if you enjoy my work and get something out of my work, I would really appreciate your support. And you can join on patreon.com slash catchkate. Um, this is a big part of my work every week to prepare and record the podcast. And it takes a lot more time than people think. So if you can and would like it to continue, please go on there and support. And it would really, really help me. So off we go. Let's get going on this amazing nature adventure. So my first visit to Norway, as I said, was a couple of years back and I visited in November. So November in Northern Europe is very dark and I was fully aware of this. So I knew daylight hours would be very, very short and we'd have to really make the most of it. Um, And... You know, it's the opposite then in summer, like they've extensive uh, sunlight hours, like in Ireland as well, where the sun, you know, you could be out until 10 p.m. in the summer and now it's winter and, you know, it's 5 p.m. And it just gets shorter, but it's such a, a drastic difference, you know. Um, So, yeah, so I arrived into Oslo and stayed there and did things like, you know, the Viking Museum, looking at the old boats and how you know, they kind of went around Europe to different ports and took over. And, and actually here in, in Cork, like the, the place I'm from, and even in Dublin as well, there would have been Viking raids um, going back to like 800. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. 800 AD? No. 
anyway I remember it being something 800 um, and they came into the fortified city and they were here for 200 years or something and it's kind of interesting really because that's that's why they say that most Irish people would have about 10% or less uh, of this Viking DNA uh, which is kind of a funny one um, I suppose understanding your ancestry and all of that um, but yeah so I did a lot of those um, museums learning about the Viking history and their boats and, and even like hopping into their boats and looking at them they were very unique their style of boats and how they went across the seas um, but very strong people you know um, and then, uh, as I said, I was going out to see this fjord um, in an area known as Flum, uh, actually spelt F-L-A-M, but it was part of this gigantic fjord with, which meets the ocean um, called Sonja's Fjord. If you're Norwegian, I'm not pronouncing this right, but um, just an amazingly picturesque spot um you wouldn't believe it like these steep 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 like sided um uh pieces of land like kind of like mountains but super peaked and then in the middle just this massive uh pool of water you know but just super long it's over 200 kilometers long like it's massive it is massive and it goes all the way from the ocean inland through all these like towns and areas and it's it's just something ugh, unimaginable the beauty of it you know um so i had decided i wanted to do so like you can pay for these tours like called i don't know what they are but they're like round tours and you pay hundreds and hundreds even thousands to do these tours of all these fjords but again i was like you know i'm going to do this myself and work it out myself because there's always a way around you know and you get more done with the same amount of money so I decided to book this railway uh, from Oslo out to Bergen and it was like the Flum railway um well it was stopping in Flum and that was the area I wanted to get to so uh, it was also known as the most scenic railway in the world so I was so 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 excited to go on it um, and it would go along these really high valleys and snowy mountains and, you know, uh, forests full of snow on the pine trees. Just beautiful. But what happened was there was so much snow had fallen that um, the railway had been shut down. And we were in the train station, like literally, oh my God. Um, but as always, this is travel and things change. So this tr this train journey I'd been looking forward to for weeks and weeks, um, it was no longer happening. And they and I was like, but like, can we even get to the place? And they were like, yes, look, we have a workaround. We're going to be like doing buses. So I had to take like a couple of buses, definitely at least two um, and a train as well, I'm sure. But not the actual famous train, you know. Um, and like it worked out perfect as well you know and the best thing about Norway was just like I literally went up to the counter and was like can I have a refund for this train journey because it was a lot of money um, and they were like yeah no problem and just gave the refund and like we were able to get the buses then and, and we didn't even pay and I was just like this is kind of funny like we got refunded for the train and now we don't even pay for the transport so like something sometimes things just work out positively you know Um so I ended up getting these buses out there and just going through the scenery and 
um, watching, I remember being like on the road and seeing these houses, just really cute Norwegian houses, um, cabins and all sorts. And the kids would be going down the, um, their gardens, like full of snow, like on those toboggans. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right as well. Um, but you know, when you slide down the, the snow and these wooden makeshift kind of things and just they just looked so happy and excited and yeah everybody in little snow suits really cute um eventually got out to flum then and had a beautiful hotel and i don't know why but it it seemed somehow off season because we were like the only people in the hotel with one other couple so it was really not that it was eerie but it was just a little bit strange that like this whole hotel was open and there was only like four of us in it. And it was amazing, like a big, massive fire, a uh, big, huge Christmas tree, lovely staff. Uh, but very, very unusual uh, that there was only four of us in there. Um, and again, when we were in Flom, we just took, um, we did some hiking around there, up across the mountain, kind of, in the cute Norwegian houses. I love them. And then, you know, just around the lake and the fjord as well. And there was like a little kind of village there as well um, with um, like a supermarket and this kind of Viking brewery. But like it seemed as if like because there was nobody around. I, do, I don't know what it was, but it seemed a bit like like a mysterious place, like as if like not like end of the world, but like even in the supermarket, like there was nobody in there. And it was really cold and everywhere was full of snow and there was no people <laughs> and nobody in the hotel. And we were just like, is the hotel opened just for us? You know, it was kind of funny, but it was lovely. You know, I love the places when they're isolated, but it was just kind of unusual as well. And then one of the nights we went to that Viking bar and we went in there and that was quite cosy. Very unique building as well, like a dome. And um, yeah, just really... Uh, unique in its own way um so i suppose i should give you a little bit of information on the fjord um because we don't have them i don't think we have them in ireland um but they're very very long and very very narrow and then very very steep on the sides and fjord is actually an international word coming from norwegian um and that fjord in particular um, yeah, like, as I said, over 200 kilometers long. So it's massive. It's like, imagine that it's so big. Um, and basically fjords were formed by glaciers, um, through several, several ice ages. Um, so it's basically like this kind of U shaped valley under the sea. Um, so it goes down so much into the, into the, I suppose, into the earth and then it like closes underneath, you know? Um, yeah, so they're, they're absolutely just so amazing, uh, geological formations. And like, if, if the, if the um, water body or the sides of it, if it is much wider than it is long, then it's called like a bay, you know? So you might have visited bays before, but it's just like a really long, deep, narrow, elongated sea, which is just, um... It's incredible. Like I remember taking the bus just along the mountain tops and looking down into it. And like, if you're afraid of heights, you might be like, "Holy moly!" It's such a deep, like, drop, you know. 
And I remember at the hotel as well, they were telling me about visiting this um, famous rock, um, which the rock like comes out from the the road. And then below it is this massive fjord, the same one, but just a different area of it. And you could go out onto the rock and sit on it. And I was kind of like, oh, God. And I think a lot of people go and do that, um, get over their fear of heights. But you'd see the photos online and they were recommending me to go. But I think as well that we'd such short days, like, you know, it'd be bright from, you know, half nine, ten a.m. until four that, yeah, it just it didn't work out, you know. And, and I was happy to just explore that area in particular and hike around there and just just uh, just see how they lived, you know, and um the beauty of it, the pristine beauty of it and the silence as well, you know. Another thing you could do as well was kayaking out onto the fjord, which looked like another interesting thing, but um, things were quiet there when we were there, um, which added to the beauty and appreciation of it, you know, getting up in the morning and having a tea and just looking out onto that massive valley, you know, absolutely stunning. So on my second journey to uh, Norway, uh, that was in uh, 2020 last year, and I went to an area known as Lillehammer. And it was actually for my friend's birthday, uh, Ingrid, who turned 30 at the time, if she's listening. Um, And we had the most amazing time. Um, Again, we flew out from Dublin to Oslo and uh, we made our way up then in the car um and it was so nice to just be with like a local person and get to know their culture traditions all of that you know um so before I was going actually I was a bit nervous because I'd never skied and I was like oh my god like how am I going to get on with this you know I mean I had like uh what do you call that ice I had done ice skating but sure that's not really the same thing um and you know I'm into sports but I didn't really know I was like god uh, like the gear all of it you know am I going to be too cold but it all worked out perfectly um we ended up um driving up that same day it was about two hours or something north of Oslo if I remember yeah and um yeah just again the scenery I was just like my mouth open you know it's just so beautiful in Norway like you're constantly in awe of everything like you know and especially with the snow it just adds to the dramatic landscape you know these massive lakes massive like gorgeous forests full of snow just wilderness and untouched you know they like you can really see how much they respect nature um and as well uh, actually, it was in February when I visited the second time. So again, still in winter and snow season. Um, and just amazing to drive through all the different areas and see ski slopes, people jumping off, like, you know, like going off ramps. And yeah, it was my first time, like really exploring skiing. So it was um, all new and all really exciting, you know. Um, yeah, so... We, our first day actually we went out on the, the kind of the beginner's slope. It was kind of like one specific um, slope. Um, I think they call it the kiddie slope as well. And um, we got our like ski boots, we got everything ready, we paid for our entrance. And um, it's basically like one hill. So you'd go down the hill 
And I remember the first time going down, I was like, how'd you stop? Um, so you can kind of stop by doing like pizza. Oh, what was the thing? It was like pizza and chips. So your legs would either go like a pizza, a pizza kind of shape or chips like the other way. Um, so either way, like would go in, out, in, out. Um, yeah, I'm just remembering it now. It was so funny. So like when you get to the end, you'd like kind of put your legs together um, and um, like a pizza, basically, and you'd stop. Um, but yeah, uh, a couple of falls as well, uh, which was funny. But the kids, I was just like, the kids were amazing, like five year olds, six year olds flying it doing tricks slides like turning and you know when you go really fast down and then you do that really swift turn to stop like shh and just like amazing I was like holy moly you know but like they're starting so young that they're so apt for it you know they're really in it and able for it um so yeah so ended up on that slope just for that particular day kept going down and then you'd come up on the lift and go down up on the lift down up on the lift and it was amazing and really then got the hang of it after a while I must have gone down it like 20 times <laughs> and then I was like I was feeling like you know I could do something else because I was getting a bit like more confident you know I was like I think I could you know do do a bit more or whatever so then at the left side of the lift was um these kind of jump offs so they were like you know like I suppose bumps made up in the snow and you could go onto it and then go f- like hop down then off it um you know kind of where you do a small little flight and so then I went off to the left of that and I started doing that like there must have been three or four of them and I just getting just getting more and more courage you know and you know just going flying on and then up and then down and up and then down and it's just getting like more adrenaline then I was like oh my god I'm getting better oh my god uh really fun um, but of course it was a big group of us so we were all like kind of together and it was really nice to have that support as well and just a good a good gathering of us and obviously the more experienced people went off and um, you know they did their own thing um, yeah which was cool and um, yeah and then that night there was a lovely so there was a lovely restaurant actually there um which did like hot chocolates and cinnamon buns oh my god the cinnamon buns and like you know chips and burgers and all that jazz um so that was lovely as well like that night we all got together as a group and we had chips and you know drinks and whatever and it was really nice there must have been about 25 of us or something there was so many of us and it was really funny then because there was a disco on as well and like I hadn't had any drink or anything like that, but it was just so funny to go into the disco at like five, six, seven in the day and raving, just absolutely raving and people having the time of their life. Um, so apparently it's called Apre Ski, um, the after skiing where you just go a bit mad. Um, but it was just funny, like, you know, hilarious. And then you'd see people coming out of the bar after a few drinks and then they're going skiing home. I was just like, this is too funny too funny um so yeah so that was kind of fun and then and then you're just walking around in your like boots which can be a bit funny when you're walking it's a bit like you know clump 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 um but all good um so then the second day we went back out to the slopes again and I kind of said to my friend look I think I'm ready for the other slopes uh the main slopes where the I suppose you know where you can go down like different difficulties and levels and she was like are you sure 
you know, like it can be a big jump in in uh, levels, you know. And I was like, yeah. And there was another guy as well. He was going to do it and another girl. So we kind of just said, look, we'll do it together. And we're both at the same kind of level. Um, so, yeah, I remember like leaving the kiddies or the beginner slope area and going down into the main slopes. And I was like, I remember the fear in me and my heart just pounding and keep trying to slow down. I was like trying to slow down, trying to slow down because some of them are really bloody vertical and like really scary. Like, um, so eventually we got down and we had to stop at this place where there was a barrier and you'd have to like wait at the barrier to get put in um, this seat uh, like a lift that brings you up the mountain and then you can go back down again so I remember getting to the barrier and I was like right how am I going to make this barrier like and stop at the barrier and not fly down vertically down the hill you know and like all these things are going through my head and I was like Kate you've actually only started skiing <laughs> literally 24 hours ago like be careful now you know and then there's people then coming down as well like flying down in the middle of it so you're there like you know coming in the way as well like obstacles like obviously they're very experienced but like if you're new to it and you're falling on your back like <laughs> you might cause an accident <laughs> but eventually anyway we got to the lift and we went up um, on the lift like I was so fearful like but it was amazing as well loads of adrenaline and um, it must have been the highlight of my year like because it was just so much fun and something totally new and skiing was something I always had wanted to try but I'd never gotten the opportunity really um I think like getting all the gear and learning and all of that, I think it just like put me off a bit, you know, I was like, oh, it's a bit like there's just too much to get sorted here, you know. But in the end, then um, we had amazing down the slopes. We went down like these green slopes first and there was like yellow ones. So they all different colors, different levels. And some of them were like super like some were like kind of slanted all the way down for like a kilometer Others then got a bit like vertical and you you could hit like a real icy patch and you'd get a skid. And like it did happen to me where I just had to fall on my hip, you know, because um, you might just think like I can't stop. And then there's like, you know, there might be like two lanes meeting each other and you're like trying to look to the right to make sure you're not meeting anybody else. But you know what? Like after going up and down a few times, it was grand then. Like the fear would come in now and again, but it actually became very, very manageable and very exciting and just amazing. And then like during the day, then you'd stop off at one of the bars or restaurants that are on the slopes and um, go in and get your snacks or hot drinks. And it's just really cozy. Um, yeah. And of course, like the next day, then all my hips, my hips and my quads, I was like, whoa, um, they were quite sore. But, um, and Lillehammer in particular was actually, uh, was where the Olympics were held in 94. So actually, it was a very important place, you know, and a big, a big event for Norway. And as well, like at my friend's house, we could see the man holding the torch out in the snow, like it was built into the snow. Um, so that was really, um, yeah, really cool. And I remember then like on the next morning getting up early and going out onto the deck in front of the house and just looking at the whole, um, the sunrise. It was absolutely like amazing. Like the whole sky was pink, purple and then all the cabins around and the trees and the snow. It was unbelievable. Um, and I got up early so I decided to go for a walk Um 
and just go down the crunchy snow and just get lost a bit in the trees and so pretty like and I just remember how silent it was there you know I was just like I can't hear anything only like the crisp and crunchiness of my feet in the snow and nothing else like it was just pure silence it was amazing um and then that day we decided to go well they had asked me they were actually like um my friend and her friends they were going cross-country skiing and they were like look you can um come with us if you want and I kind of was like yeah let's uh let's do it um and I was a bit like what is cross-country skiing they were kind of like look it's different skis and it's more like flat and stuff and it's more like kind of stepping in a way stepping walking kind of I don't even know how to describe it but um and 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 her friends had their dog beautiful dog um yeah gorgeous kind of reminded me of a husky um but it wasn't and I remember what it was but I can't remember now um but some but some dog from you know the northern latitudes beautiful dog um so we ended up going cross-country ski I think we covered like you know 10 or 10 kilometers or 15 or something and I didn't even know would I be able to do it but I did and I was so happy after and I, I, I there was one hill all right that I did I slid down and I remember some lady being like are you Danish and I was like no I'm not because apparently they were saying like the Danish were less like like I suppose not as good as the Norwegian skiing so um that's what your the girl taught then because I didn't I fell I fell over going down the hill she's like oh you're Danish so (laughs) I was like nope not Danish um so yeah and just again the scenery was amazing people cross country with their dogs it was just so lovely amazing and um yeah and I remember we stopped off this like hotel half like like the first third of it maybe. My friend was kind of like, look, if you want, you can wait here or go back or, you know. And I said, I actually think I can continue and I ended up continuing and it was amazing. But like the hills were really hard to get up. Like you really had to like open the skis and walk like, oh my God, like the walking, not like a crab, but like it was really hard. Like you'd be stepping on your own ski trying to walk up with the legs like 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 diagonally apart so it was really tough um but an amazing few days of sport and new adventures and you know amazing and then after our cross country we had a barbecue outside and uh, my friend put on sausages and uh, what are they called hot dogs and stuff like that um so it was lovely and then we, were, we eventually went back to oslo then um but the funny thing was was that uh when I went back to the airport, that was in February 2020, I remember being in the airport and like everybody on about this COVID thing. And I was like, what's this COVID thing? Uh, so it was completely new, you know, and I had no idea what they were on about, you know. And of course, now, obviously, we know what it is, but it had just actually started then. And there was just like sort of announcements coming out that it had been in certain areas around the world. Um, but yeah it hadn't just quite hit so that was my last journey that I took and it was an amazing journey um so if you haven't been to Norway definitely put it on your list um get out to see the fjords get out and go skiing 
and hike like you know in the in the beautiful landscapes that they hold and we have a lot to learn from Norway in terms of how they treat nature and keep it pristine and wild and yeah it's an amazing country so um I was going to talk a bit about the pollinator plan newsletter that came out if you're not joined up to it you should um because there's so much um learning you can get from it regarding biodiversity in Ireland and what's the best step to take because there's so much information around out there about nature and what we can do to help but basically this month they were talking about um the IVB which I've not seen but the IVB has actually just landed in Ireland last month in October 2021 and um it came in from Britain and it's never been seen here before so it's its first time here so you can actually look it up um a picture of it and see what it looks like it actually I was kind of looking at it like whoa like my first glance I was like it looks like a honeybee but no it's called the IVB and um it was spotted over in Wexford so that's something to watch out for like if you do see any bees um take a good look and see is there an IVB and take a picture um another thing was about um the bumblebees so at the moment now like the queens they're fattening up for winter um as are like many of the hibernatory uh species getting ready to get through the cold months um so yeah so if you spot them about take a look at what plant they're actually on uh my bees in particular last week i was like where are they going like they were really really busy with a couple of warm days 12 degrees upwards and um they were really active you know I was like whoa what's going on and really noisy and then I was around the farm in the garden and I was like oh and they were I could see them on the fuchsia and loads of really um this kind of deep uh, yellow pollen coming in so if you remember like anytime we see the pollen we can actually identify the plant they're on which is amazing and you can actually look that up online as well if you do see bees honeybees whatever kind of bee and you see pollen um you can actually check it up on the the charts online but just make sure to check the one for your locality and not like one from you know United States or Asia or something because you'll get different plants so make sure it's from your locality but it's amazing then to be that connected with nature to know what your bees are foraging on and what kind of quality it's bringing in you know um another thing they were talking about was the trees at the moment that you can collect the seeds off of so the rowan the mountain ash you can collect the seed the hawthorn and um, the elderberry and if you can collect them now and um, plant them like you know then for spring you've great uh, forage for the bees you know which is great um, so get it done in the the colder months you know um, they were also talking about the wildflowers and the packets of seeds that you can get but like it's so funny because a lot of us think we're doing so good by doing this and that and da 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 and then we find out no we're not doing any good you know and it can be really it can feel really destructive because like they were talking about the wildflower seeds that they're not actually that good uh for our native plants and species that like people are just planting them and like it's not they're not the best because it depends where it's coming from like if they're locally sourced that's perfect but a lot of them are actually 
you know, sourced from abroad, which actually is messing up our ecosystem and what's designed for our like grasslands. And yeah, that's just like a really important thing to know. Like if you have wildflower, don't just go throwing it around because maybe it won't work well with our plants and species. Maybe it'll drive them out because a lot of them actually end up taking over and they drive out the locally... um, I suppose, adapted plants that have been here for like millennia, you know, and then we drive them out and we mess up the whole ecosystem. Um, So sometimes we think we're doing so good and then we're like, oh, no. So if you are getting wildflower seed, just really look into where it's been sourced, you know, because otherwise you might actually be doing something more destructive. Um, And again, like look out for, you know, our buttercups, our dandelions, our thistles, our nettles, like all of them are really good and they grow naturally here. Um, but they they were saying like to avoid any blue or showy flowers, anything that's very extravagant, you know, like is it is it really good for our biodiversity, you know, or is it just some like species from abroad that looks amazing, you know. Um, and they were talking as well about our grasslands, that how important they are and that like, like just ploughing up grasslands that have been there for a century is the same as just cutting down an ancient oak wood. Like the the intelligence and the, the beauty and the biodiversity that's held within it is massive. And like it's happening a lot where like farmers are ploughing up a grassland to replant grass seed and they're ploughing up all the old, you know, species that are in there and it's destroying the ecosystem and then we see this new grass and of course we look at Ireland and we think oh it's so green and beautiful but how many of them grasslands are actually like ancient you know or are they just newly seeded fields which have barely any biodiversity in them you know like maybe one one or two types of grass but like where are the wildflowers in there that are naturally growing like have they used chemicals to stop them you know and, and it's very common you know happens a lot um and there's a there's a very big difference from looking at a grassland that's wild and been there for decades and decades than one that's newly planted that has like one or two types of grass you know um and all that matters you know and even in your garden yourself you will have you know your lawn or your grass like be very mindful of how you're keeping it you know and allow it to go wild allow the wildflower to come up you know, that's naturally occurring in the soil and is adapted for our area and our pollinators and all of it. Um, so that's something to be mindful of. I suppose a final point just about uh, mindfulness um, in your everyday life, in nature and all of that. Um, just again to reiterate it because we're not in an easy time and life can be stressful. Um, just to really... Be mindful of how you're experiencing your um, events in your life. And um, I suppose then again, coming up to Christmas, like things can get even more stressful and, and unnecessary pressures for us to be buying, consuming and, you know, family events and stuff. Um, so just to be like, you know, taking care of yourself and keeping a good level of mental health. Um, as always, like practice breath work as much as you can. Um listening into your body your breath like anytime you're in a stressful situation like take the attention down to your belly 
and imagine it going in and out like all of this sort of thing um sensory like sensory mindfulness like paying attention to what you're hearing seeing um smelling um and I suppose just making sure every day that you're taking time out um, to look after yourself and to really feel into what you're um, experiencing because right now we're experiencing a lot and there's a lot of shifts happening in our collective and with the planet as a whole. So very important every day to take that time to slow down and do self-care. And sometimes it might seem like the opposite to what we're told, like we need to be told we're fast, we're productive, we're racing in this world. But actually, the reverse is actually really, really, really important for every individual on the planet to actually take time to care for yourself, to slow down, to check in what what we're experiencing in this massive time of change. Um, And I'll just say again that um, to my patrons, I did put up... um, an exercise uh, for uh, meditation, uh, mindful visualization, um, which takes you into a forest uh, where you meet your future self and it will just allow you to relax and, and center yourself. Um, so if that's been helpful to you, I'd love to know. But if you haven't checked it out, check it out. And um, as a final goodbye, um, I just want to say thank you to the patrons as always um, for supporting the podcast and if you are benefiting from this and can help me out um, and nature, help nature out because that's where all of my time goes into outside of this um, just promoting uh, environmental education and all of that I'd really appreciate your support and you can join on Patreon um, slash catch Kate um, and the link is in my bio on my Instagram. So guys, I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you enjoyed Norway. It's amazing. If I could go back there, I would. There's so many other spots there that are outstandingly beautiful and divine. Um, definitely put it on your list. Um, check out the pollinators. Check out what, keep watching out for those bees. There's still bees around. Um, temperatures still haven't dropped completely. Um, and yeah, keep your lawns wild and stay mindful and watch for your breath and I'll talk to you all very soon if you've any feedback get in touch and I'd love to hear from you have a lovely weekend ciao